Uh, we've, we've been going through, we've just started to go through, uh, last week actually, uh, the nine marks of a healthy church. You may be familiar with this. Uh, you maybe have heard a book written with the same title. Um, maybe you've heard some teaching on this before. But we are now at week two of the nine marks of a healthy church. So we're in week, mark number two, uh, if you like. And the, the, the topic of today's sermon is biblical theology. Biblical theology. I wonder um, what comes to your mind when you hear this word, doctrine. Or even worse still, if you hear the word dogma. Maybe it's a new word for you. But sometimes if you hear the word doctrine or dogma, you think of dogmatic people, you know? These sort of cold, maybe argumentative people. People who are a bit like Pharisees. Uh, loveless people, all about the truth, and yet they're very dogmatic, we, we say. Sometimes you hear people say this, particularly in church circles. Doctrine divides, but love unites. They say that. And the idea is, they say that we should reject doctrine and whatever that means. We should choose love instead. Let's just, let's just choose to love one another. That's what Jesus taught after all, isn't it? Other churches, other Christians may say, well, you know what? I just have the Bible. That's all I need. Some will say we have no creed but Christ. We have some forms of, of churches, even in our own province, who say they do not subscribe to any man-made rules. They would rather just choose to love one another rather than subscribing to a certain confession of faith or um, a certain way of doing theology. They say we should just ditch this harmful doctrine because at the end of the day, that's where churches go wrong. They, they, they spend too much time, these, these Christian churches, arguing about the nitty-gritty of theology. That's what they say. So therefore, let's just get rid of that. Doctrine divides, but love unites. Maybe you've heard that kind of thing before. Well, my purpose this evening uh, in this talk is to show that that's not the case. Uh, not only is doctrine not bad, it's, it, it's essential for a healthy church. And actually, if you allow it, it is, it is beautiful. It is wonderful. Because doctrine, I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a second, but doctrine or theology is a way that we speak of God. It's a way that we know him. I'm just going to show you here uh, the nine marks of a healthy church in a, in a list. Sorry, I'm in the way here. You can see last week, we looked at expository preaching, you know, making the, the point and meaning of the passage, the point and meaning of a, a sermon. This is us this week in biblical theology and the rest, which we'll come to week after week. But the reason I'm showing you this, I'm just going to click it off now, is to show how what we're talking about today is connected with what we talked about last week and how it's connected with what we'll be talking about next week. Because you see, we start with the Bible as God's word and we, we preach from the Bible. And we said last week that God's word is inspired, it's breathed out, it gives, it gives life when we, when we hear God's word speaking to us. And so it stands to reason that when we're hearing God's voice, we want to understand what he's saying, we want to grasp the message, we want to make sure that when we're talking to people, talking to each other and talking to the world about the Bible, we want to make sure we're saying it accurately, we want to represent God 
truthfully, faithfully. And so that's why we are interested as a church, that's why a mark of a healthy church is biblical theology. Taking God's word and representing him truly. That's good biblical theology. By the way, as we go through the talk, if you hear me say doctrine or theology for the purposes of today's message, I mean the same thing. There is some distinction, but for today, that'll do. If I say theology or doctrine, they're the same thing. So we're going to ask a few questions as we go through uh, this talk. We look at the Bible passage. We're going to ask, number one, what is biblical theology? So I'm going to explain and define what that is. All right. Number two, we're going to then ask ourselves, what, what, what is the benefit of theology? What's the benefit to the church? Why is it a, a mark of a healthy church? Thirdly, we're going to ask ourselves, how does it contribute to a healthy church? How does it make a church healthy? And finally, we're going to just ask a few questions about how we as a group of people can commit to Bible theology to get to know theology better. But that's in a few moments' time. Let's ask the first question then. What is biblical theology? I've given a few ideas and suggestions so far, but in general, biblical theology is the body of teaching that is presented to us in the Bible. It's the body of teaching that's presented to us in the Bible. Not just any old thing, but it is a set of defined teachings of the Christian faith that we draw from the Bible. Various people in the, the New Testament say, use various words to describe biblical theology or biblical doctrine. Some people call it the teaching of Christ. In the book of Jude, it's the faith that was once delivered. In Romans, the standard of teaching. In Timothy, the sound words of the Lord and the teaching that accords. In other places, the pattern of sound words. The faith of the gospel. These are all different ways that the Bible writers have come to understand theology. A set bunch of teachings. It's the teaching of the apostles. That's what the word doctrine means. It comes from the original Latin to mean teacher. That's where we get our word doctor from. Originally, it's a teacher. That's where doctrine comes from. You see, we can't not have doctrine. The moment we say as a church, God is this, or God is that, or God has said that, we're doing doctrine. We're trying to understand and communicate what God has said to us through his word. That's doctrine. If we ask the question, how someone is saved, the answer is doctrine. If we ask the question, what is sin, the answer is doctrine. Anytime we seek to represent the teaching of the Bible, we're doing doctrine. The question is, are we doing good doctrine or bad doctrine? Because the difference is crucial to whether we have a healthy church or not. So generally speaking, biblical theology or doctrine is the teaching of the Bible, okay? More specifically, we can go a bit deeper in understanding what biblical theology is. It is the content of the Bible. It is the mystery, we could say, of God's plans for redemption to save humankind unfolded in the Scriptures. It's the theme of the Bible, the big picture. Sometimes you hear this phrase being used. You might know or you might not. The Bible itself is a collection of, of lots of books and letters and, and poems have been put together over several uh, hundred years, if not thousands of years, put together. 
And yet when you read it carefully from beginning to end, you start to see a, a big picture emerging, a big storyline. You know, if you ever watch a, a TV show and you maybe see one episode in the series, you might not know what's going on. You might not get the big picture. But if you sit on Netflix or Amazon Prime and you watch one after another after another, you start to realize there's a bigger picture at, at play. And, and, and in some ways, that's similar to what we see in the Bible. There's a, a big picture of God's actions in human history, what he does to redeem Sinful human beings, just like me, just like you. It's written by lots of different people, but ultimately, we saw this last week, there is one author, which is God, the Holy Spirit, writing this story given to us through the hundreds of years. So what is this big plotline? What is this big story that we see emerging from the Bible? Well, quite simply, it is this. First of all, God creates the world. We see that in the beginning of Genesis. He spoke it into being. He said light, and there was light. He said earth, and then there was earth. Everything was spoken into being. He said human beings, and here they came, bearing the image of God. And God looked at all that he had created, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, human beings, animals, the sea, everything in them. And he said, it is very good. Creation. But a few chapters into Genesis, we see that the, the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden listened to the serpent. They were tempted by sin. They went against God's plan for their lives, his will. They disobeyed him and they sinned and they fell. And as a result of that, everything was disrupted. Their relationship with God was disrupted. Their relationship with each other was disrupted. Their relationship with the created order was disrupted. Everything was corrupted because of their sin. And as a result, God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. He said, away from me, out of my presence, you have sinned. You're unholy. You cannot live with me. And yet the moment before he kicked them out, he gave a promise to the woman, to Eve. He said, one day, Eve, there will come from you an offspring, someone who will rise up and he will crush the head of the serpent. In so doing, he himself will be bruised. And yet the serpent will be destroyed. Now get out of the garden. We've seen creation, we've seen fall. And right there, we see the announcement of the good news. The redemption that God has for his people. He kicks them out, but he wants them to come back into relationship with him. And so he announces this promise to Eve. And as we go through the Bible, this promise is talked about. It is foretold. We think it's, the answer is found in the kings. We're wrong. We think the answer is found in the prophets. We're wrong. We think the answer is found in the judges. We're wrong. And then we get to the good news of Jesus Christ, who died in accordance with the Scriptures. We were saying that a few moments ago. Who rose on the third day. He is the one who crushed the head of the serpent. He is the one who himself was bruised, but yet not destroyed. He is the one who rose to life on the third day. And because of him, and through what he has done, God redeemed his people. Those who have put their faith and trust in him are allowed back into the presence of God. Creation, fall, redemption but the good news folks is that 
That is not the end of the story. Because the big picture of the Bible continues to the final phase, the final act in this great drama. Consummation is the fancy word. That means the coming together of all things, the completion, the final thing. God has done all that is necessary in his son, Jesus Christ. But one day, Christ will come again. For some people, that will be the best thing in the world. For others, that will be the worst thing in the world. But for those who trust in Christ, who have been forgiven by him, they will be brought into the new heavens and the new earth. It's like Eden, except a city. Even better, even more glorious, even more wonderful. Consummation. That is the big picture of the Bible. And whether you go to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, whether you go to the kings in the Old Testament, the law code, Zechariah the prophet, the gospels, the letters, Revelation, all of these individual books plug in to the big picture, the big story of the Bible. All of it is summed up through the work of Jesus Christ. And that is what we call the gospel. So what is biblical theology? It is simply the teaching of the Bible. It is that great drama from beginning to end. And the key figure is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's what biblical theology is all about. So now we've thought about what is biblical theology and we've done a bit of sketch work to work out what these things all mean. Let's ask ourselves then the second question. What are the benefits of biblical theology? What's the, what's the point in all of this, knowing all this stuff? It's very interesting, but what's the point? Why is it a mark of a healthy church? Why do we have to work clear as a church, a foundation church, on being clear what we believe, on being clear what the Bible teaches? Well, that's where our passage from this evening comes into play. And it's on the back of your service sheet, so you can have that handy if you want. Uh, Those of you who were here last week will know that we were reading from 2 Timothy. So this is 1 Timothy. This is the the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Last week we looked at the second letter, so we're kind of back to front a bit, but that's okay. And the background here is that Timothy is a young pastor. He's in a place called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. He has been put there by the Apostle Paul to look after the church, to put it together because it was falling apart a bit. And so we saw the problem in verse 3 and 4. He said uh, on your sheet, verse 3, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, remain at Ephesus, listen, so that you may charge certain persons, certain people, not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. You can see the problem here, can't you? There's a a bunch of people in the church in Ephesus that are teaching, they're teaching fine, but the stuff they're teaching, the content, the doctrine, is all over the place. It's a mess. He says it's, it's myth, it's speculation, it's, they're, they're majoring on the minors, they're just leading everybody astray. So he sends Timothy, or rather he says, Timothy, you stay there and put this stuff into order. Sort out the bad teaching. Get your biblical theology straight. So what are the benefits of biblical theology? Well, we can think of it in these three ways. 
Firstly, true or good biblical theology results in love. It results in love. Look at verse 5. It's very important. Paul says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. You see that? It's most important, that verse. It's easily forgotten when people start talking about doctrine and theology and stuff like that. The point with all of this is love. Pure, good, sincere. This, this puts to bed some of those attitudes that we talked out about at the start. You know, when you think of doctrine and dogma and all that stuff, you think of cold, argumentative Pharisees who just love to win arguments. But Paul says, no. The whole point with theology and doctrine is, is love. We see that right here. Of course, it is possible to find people who focus on the doctrine and forget to love. But that's not a failure of doctrine or, or, or theology. It's not a case of getting rid of the theology and just concentrating on love. No, no, no. It's about getting the doctrine right. And love will flow from it. It must flow from it. You know, one of the most theological, doctrinal writings in the entire Bible is the book of Romans. And for 11 whole chapters, the Apostle Paul is writing doctrine after doctrine after doctrine. It's brilliant, but it's deep and it's dense and it's, ah, you have to stop every five minutes because there's so much of it. But at the end of 11 whole chapters of the, 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 the letter, Paul doesn't say, right, I'm going to go for coffee because I got a headache or I need to get this doctrine out of my mind because it's doing me in. No, he says, after, after writing and reflecting on all the wonders and the glories of, of what God has done in Christ, he says this, he says, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You see, he's reflecting on all the goodness and all the things that God has done for him. And instead of being done in, he is led to worship and praise. He says, how unsearchable are God's judgments? How inscrutable are his ways? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. You can see for Paul, doctrine is not about winning an argument and being right about everything. Doctrine leads you to love. It leads you to worship of God. Wow, God, look at what you've done. We could also flip it on its head and say, if it doesn't lead us to worship, if it doesn't lead us to love, then we're doing something wrong. If you're coming here Sunday after Sunday and you're learning lots of stuff and lots of doctrine, and yet your heart is not being transformed, if you're not becoming deeper in love with God and what he's done for you, then there's either something wrong with what we're saying, which is a possibility, or there's something wrong with the way you listen and the way you receive what God is saying. First benefit of biblical theology, number one, is that it results in love. And we see that in verse 5. But the second benefit is that it ensures healthy teaching. If you've got biblical theology which is good and right and straight, then it ensures that the teaching of the church is healthy. You see that in verses 6 and 7. Certain persons, he says, by swerving from these, from a good conscience and a sincere heart and all that, have wandered away 
from the good stuff into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make such confident assertions. What's he saying? He's saying there are a group of people within the church who are teaching an alternative to what Paul considers healthy doctrine. They're teaching a different doctrine, he says. We saw a bit of that in verse 4. They're teaching myths, made-up stories. They're teaching genealogies, you know, this obsession they had uh, with family trees and who's related to who. Became a real sort of science back in, back in those days. And they, they consider that more important than the central teaching of, of the Bible. Obsessions. Going down rabbit trails, dark holes, conspiracy theories. All this pointless twaddle, Paul says. That's what happens when you abandon biblical theology. And if you don't think that's a problem today, folks, then go on YouTube uh, and see some of the stuff that Christian teachers, so-called, come out with. Worse still, if you ever happen to flick on the God channel or, or whatever it's called, the TBN network or whatever it's called, You'll hear a lot of nonsense on there. Demonstrating that what Paul said didn't just apply to first century Ephesus, it applies to 21st century Northern Ireland as well. A lot of stuff that sounds Christian, that's done by pastor people and they quote Bible verses, is a lot of rubbish. It is myth. It is pointless twaddle. As he says, they are wandering, they are swerving away. That's in contrast to sound healthy teaching. One of the ways that we can avoid going off down a blind ending track as a church is always keep in mind the big picture. Creation, full redemption, consummation. Always have that in mind. Always have the big drama so that when we come to individual passages or verses, we always see them in light of what God is doing in this overall drama. This is how false teachers do it, by the way. Um, there are plenty out there. Creflo Dollar, sometimes he appears on the TV. Uh, incredibly successful in terms of the money that he's made and the influence that he has had. And maybe if you tune in and you listen to him, 80%, maybe 90% of what he says seems all right. You think, yeah, not bad. I can see where he gets that from. But it's always that 10 or 20% that isn't great, that isn't healthy. That's how they get away with it. It sounds good, it sounds bible it sounds Christian, but yet a few percentage points away and you're miles off course down a blind-ending track. I sometimes liken it to a, a jet plane taking off, passenger plane leaving Dublin airport, going to New York. But if the GPS system fails or the pilot, for whatever reason, just falls asleep and turns the steering wheel a few degrees to the left, the plane will never end up in New York. It'll end up in South America or the South Pole. A few degrees off and they're in a different destination and the same thing happens for false teachers within the church. A few degrees, a few percentage points away and they are leading people astray by the masses. You know, you can make the Bible say pretty much anything you want to say. If you take the verses out of context, if you consider them outside of the big picture, you can make it say whatever you want it to say. And a lot of 
people who are hungry and want to understand what God is saying will be led astray. It is dangerous. It will shipwreck your faith. So good, sound, biblical theology not only results in love, but it ensures the healthy teaching in the church. The third thing it does is help us to live good lives, godly lives. Look down at verse 8 through to the end. Now we know the law is good, says Paul, if one uses it lawfully. See these false teachers, we're not using it lawfully, they weren't using it well. The law, he says, is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, the unholy, profane, those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, many practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of God. Uh, the blessed God of which I have been entrusted. What's he saying? He's saying that what you believe, your doctrine, your theology, will always affect the way you live. And then he lists this list, the fruit of all the things that he's seeing in the church among people who listen to these false teachers who are taking them away from the truth of Christ. Paul hasn't just come up with a random list of, of sins and vices. These are likely things that he has seen in the church in Ephesus. This is the result, folks, of listening, in many cases, to false teaching, to unhealthy doctrine. Instead, he says, listen to the truth of the gospel. Anything that's in accordance with the gospel. Because by distinction, that will lead to godliness, to holiness, to a way of living that honours God. By the way, just, just, this is kind of an aside, it's important to know when it comes to being a Christian... It's not that living well and living right gets you right in God's sight and then he accepts you. That's not the gospel. It's the other way around. That's the good news. It's not the way you get to God. God saves you because of his grace. It doesn't matter how you've lived. It's only then, when you realise what he has done for you, then you want to live a life that's pleasing to him. Not the other way around. False teachers get that mixed up all the time. So we've seen three reasons or three benefits to biblical theology. It results in love, it ensures a healthy teaching in the church, and it helps us to live godly lives. That's the, the implication of good teaching. We've thought of those two questions. What is biblical theology? What difference does it make? Number three, how does biblical theology contribute to a healthy church how does it contribute to a healthy church hopefully as we go on through the series uh, you'll, you'll, you'll work out how all these bits of the puzzle fit together we've got expository preaching we've got biblical theology next week we'll talk about the gospel more clarity on that but here's just a flavor of how getting your biblical theology right helps us as foundation church to grow healthy and strong because if we get our biblical theology right then that will help us in our evangelism, in reaching 
those who don't know Jesus with the good news because the gospel is theology it is doctrine in one way it is the teaching about Jesus and therefore we have to understand him well and understand how we can communicate so get biblical theology right helps us to uh, teach and, and spread the good news of Jesus evangelism if we get biblical theology right it helps us in our discipleship that is it helps believers to learn and grow and deepen in their relationship with Jesus evangelism discipleship helps us in our unity as a church we can all agree on doctrine on the central teaching of the bible it helps us in our worship we've seen that already with paul the the more we understand what god has done for us the more beautiful and wonderful jesus becomes the more we are driven to worship him and praise him and thank him because of who he is and what he has done we want to declare his excellency to exalt him because of who he is it drives our worship evangelism discipleship unity worship fifthly and finally i'm just going to say this it affects our leadership you know according to the, the new testament elders in the church are given this one task to do of all the things they could be doing teach what accords with sound doctrine that is the leaders of a church lead by exercising the word of god they are to teach what the bible teaches and how to live in response to it so this is a few ideas by the way of how biblical theology contributes to a healthy church evangelism discipleship unity worship and our church leadership more of that as we go on in the weeks to come we're coming into land just here this is our fourth and final point our fourth and final question how can we as a group as a church as foundation church how can we commit to going deeper to learning more about biblical theology well let me uh take a few moments to plug a few books maybe you've heard me plug some of these before some of them might be new to you uh, i'm not suggesting you go out and buy them all uh, but you might want to look at one maybe get a second-hand copy or something like that but anyway a few books that will help you uh, learn and develop and ask, answer some questions that maybe have come up uh, through this sermon um, this book actually is from the, the the group called nine marks they're the ones who came up with these nine marks it's called sound doctrine now i know the title is not exactly exciting um, but you know it's a good little book just helps to flesh out some of these things that we've been talking about how a church grows in the love and holiness of god um, and you can see it's pretty pretty thin you could read that uh, in a couple of days um, less than 100 pages all right sound doctrine by bobby jameson God's big picture. Some of you have read this already. Uh, this is talking about that big overarching storyline of the Bible. God's big picture by Vaughan Roberts. Tracing the storyline of the Bible from creation to fall to redemption and consummation. And he uses this sort of um, film, movie sort of uh, language to help you understand that. It's really good. Another, another small book. Bit fatter now, this book here. How to read the Bible for all it's worth. Uh, this is by... Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. And this takes the different types of Bible books, you know, whether it's poetry or Old Testament prophets or New Testament gospel letters and all that stuff. And it gives you some uh, ways, some helpful tips on how to read them well, you know, how to understand the context, the background, so that you can really get your most out of each Bible uh, book that you read. So how to read the Bible for what it's worth. And bigger still, this is the biggest one for tonight, Know the Truth by Bruce Milne. This book has been on the go for about 20, or sorry, 
30 years, uh, keeps being updated and keeps getting bigger every time they update it. Um, but it's a handbook of Christian belief. And uh, what Bruce Milne does is, is, is theology. He takes the central teaching of the Bible and lays it out, which is uh, an easy way to do it. At the end of each chapter, there's a few questions that you can do as a group or whatever. But um, yeah, Know the Truth by Bruce Milne. Help you get into a bit of theology and help you understand what the Bible teaches. There's loads of other ways. There's just a few suggestions there. Don't forget, we are all about doing this as a church, as a community. You're not on your own. We want to be the kind of church that grows in the, the love of God, uh, love of one another, love of those outside in our city, in our world. And as such, we need biblical theology for that to happen. We need to deepen in our relationship with God as a church. And I want to let you know it's not just going to happen every Sunday night when you come and listen to me go on for half an hour. Because God's word uh, is alive and active and it's not just reduced to a Sunday evening sermon. And so as a church, we want to be the kind of people that are all about helping each other understand God's Word, getting deeper into the Bible together, whether that's just chatting over a coffee, praying as a family, you know, go, going out and talking with your, friend, your, 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 your foundation friends about all this stuff. We want to be the kind of people that help one another push God's Word deeper into each other's hearts. Ask each other, what are you reading? Uh, what is God saying to you through the Bible these days? What are you learning? What is, what is delighting your heart? What has lifted you up when you have been down? These kind of questions. It's not maybe your average coffee shop conversation, but if we commit to this as a church, then it's the sort of thing that will become more and more natural for us. We want to be the kind of people who grow in our understanding of theology. That's about all I've got to say just now. If you have any further questions, then uh, you know, feel free to talk to me afterwards or later in the week. Um, hopefully that's enough just to get the ball rolling in your minds. Biblical theology is important for a healthy church. And as we go on as a church, we will lean more and more into that and demonstrate what that means. But as we come to the end of the sermon, then let's pray together.